Daily DVR Dives into Mindhunter is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Look good when you step out in the morning. Elevate your style. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today and save 20% on your order. No minimum. Use code DVR20. That's all you got to do. Use code DVR20 today and save 20% off your order. If you've got an event coming up, if you've got... If you just want to look good, go to cufflinks.com and they'll help you out. They've even got a blog over there that details how to get prepared for these big events and order everything for everyone. You know, that can be a hassle. Let cufflinks.com help you do that. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Mindhunter. My name is Axel and my co-host is the wonderful and amazing hunter of minds, Heath Solo Sentazo. You can find out more about us at dvrpodcast.com. You can also consider becoming a patron, where you can hear tons of old lost mythos and film lists and ad-free content. We drop a podcast pretty much every single day over at the patreon.com slash dvr. You can send feedback to dvrpodcast at gmail.com. I want to thank the four people who gave us reviews on iTunes. One of them written, the three other were stars. We love it all. Thanks for the response. We've been listed on the top 200. Uh, We really appreciate it. We know we're taking our time with this, so we appreciate your patience. It's been a little bit since the last episode, but we are dedicated to, we are definitely getting through all two seasons. Today, we're going to be talking about Mindhunter season one, episode four, baby. So let's get to it. Solo, how you doing? I, you know, I, I forgot I was on the pod. I was just listening to you. I'm like, okay, I got to make sure I email at dvrpodcast.com. I got to leave a review. I'm like, oh wait, I'm on the pod. I'm doing excellent, brother. I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing fine. I'm drinking Good. some wine. No, no, I'm not drinking any wine, but I'm, you know, when you just say the word mine hunter, it's like you're my therapist and it's a, it, it's a stressor, <laughs> a trigger nowadays. And I just, I go into this new world of I know, man. just hunting minds, man. Hunting minds. We got a good episode. Um, the plot yeah. is moving along. The team is coming together. And this was a great episode. I'm loving this series. In real life, I've only got one episode left of season two. I know you finished. Um, I did. And I love it. And I can't wait till we cover that. I could start talking about that right now. But um, I know. Keep- you have to be careful. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you do. We're going to keep it just to this episode as we've been doing. Um, so if you are wanting to watch along with us, but also it does kind of make it, it keeps us on track a little bit more. Uh, what were your impressions of this episode? It, I tell you, I, um, man, uh, where do I begin? I, you know, I'm sensing the, you know, with Bill, with Bill Tench, when they're interviewing, uh, Monty Rissell and he's, st- he's got that, like, you know, He's so, oh man, I love you, Bill. I'm trying to articulate what I mean. You know where Holden's very like, oh, what did you, oh, why'd you do that? And he's taking notes and Bill's still a little like feisty. Yes. Uh, and you know, something's bothering him as at first you think it's just Bill. It's just, he's old school FBI. He's just frustrated with these killers. 
but we learn something big about his character and and the only way to get that out is a little bit of a slight tragedy which i did not expect and it just oh man it had me really i think this is the episode axel where i really fell in love fully with these characters yeah this is the one yeah oh go ahead buddy Oh, okay. Oh, hey. Uh, I, th- I thought I was being interviewed by two FBI guys. Um, yeah, no, this is the one that I really under- started to really understand them a lot more. And it kind of comes, It's it, you know, great shows. It always seems for me, like episode three or four, I get, I, I'm in. I'm like, I mean, I'm, I was in, in episode one on this, but like fully invested. Like, give me ten seasons in. Uh, so I just really... Um, Oh, man, I just really loved this episode, and I loved the beginning of a new case. Uh, and it just, it, it's setting it up, and then the dynamic um, with Wendy and kind of how you're going to juggle all these things. Yeah. Uh, it just, it it was, and it even the BTK stuff, a little bit even, oh, man, okay. It, so, yeah, just all in all, it was like the perfect episode for this season because it really ramped up the characters, it's moving the storyline, and it's just got me like wanting the next episode. Yeah, definitely, dude. I think that this is kind of, this is really the episode that is the prototypical Mindhunter episode going forward, right? Because oh, yes. it mixes everything. It mixes their personal life, their work life and politics, Interviewing serial killers, working cases, traveling, um, and the accident is the intersection of kind of all of those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so symbolic for a random event that they cannot control two men who are obsessed with f- basically trying to find out how they can control life, how they can head off bad things happening at the pass, right? And they are victims of a totally random, they're involved in talking, the other guy's not looking, bam, they get hit by a car. And it's so, the way they did it was so awesome too, because it's, it's been so, it's been set up so much of the driving, you know? It was like all in service of this one accident. Even the angle, they had used that angle so many times that it, didn't usually that angle makes you think somebody's going to get hit by a car, but this right. time it didn't because they've been using it so much. But yeah, this is kind of the defining episode in many ways of Mindhunter um, because it brings their whole life together, and we see kind of what who was this this holding guy who we meet and he's had this failure and now he's kind of moving up and up and up things are working and now they're really coming together and you make a great point about um bill which is that we see that um bill is already concerned with holden and the way that he conducts these interviews mm-hmm. but Bill kind of acts out during them too. Right. (laughs) Right? Like he, when he gets angry, but his type of acting out is acceptable because he's, he's using his anger. 
you know? And even right. if that's coming from his home life and his son and his marriage and he, and the way he thinks society should be a certain way because it f- makes him comfortable and Holden's coming at it sometimes from more of like a psychological or even psychosexual way. It's just that Bill's way is more acceptable in society. You're allowed to be angry and mean and disdainful of these guys during the interview um, because you should be. They're criminals. But that's still mm-hmm. he's kind of acting out, right? He's having his own therapy session. Yeah. And, and, and like I've said before and what you alluded to and as is – just thinking he's old school, you know, rough around the edges, we see some humanity with him that we can relate to. And we find out, you know, not only is he so concerned that Holden could have been killed in the car wreck, and he's so upset because, I mean, it's like, you know, it'd be one thing if we're in the field, I have your back, and something happens, but we're just, like, driving and having a conversation. And he was, I mean, and it, and you always see car wrecks and shows and stuff, but this one, with Bill's reaction, like, are you okay? Like, to make sure, like, I'm like, oh, shoot. You know, it just, it, it made it more real. Uh, the way it was shot and the way he came around the car and came to Holden uh, and the way you could tell he was phased a little bit when he was arguing with the guy he hit. hit. Um, and then to find out, you know, at home at, Three years ago, he adopted a kid, and he's not speaking, and his wife and him are struggling, and it's supposed to be nice to have a little boy, but it's harder than hell. And he, he's, like, even telling Holden, like, I, you know, I call my wife right now. I might lose it. And he, and he, and he's like, Do, are, are, you, are you getting what I'm trying to say, Holden? And he's yeah. Holden's like, no, but I want to. And it's just right there, that moment, he stops has another drink, and they're having their great steak and potato, baked potato uh, with the foil around it, Axel. It just made me hungry. Um, but <laughs> it's just, this was, this built, this whole, these two sequences or two scenes um, with Bill and Holden, but really concentrating on Bill, just just made me like, I, I mean, we both love Holt McNally. Uh, we, we've said it before. Where he's a great actor. Fight Club, Lights Out, Leary, my, uh, CSI Miami. I just love the dude. And uh, Fincher uses him a lot. It, but his character just, to me, I'm like, ah, now I'm going to start dressing like Bill and smoking and drinking and shaving my head versus my Holden haircut I had two episodes ago. It just honestly, <laughs> honestly, it just, oh, uh, it just really hit me, Axel. Because yeah. you know me... And it's kind of like the relationship we have as friends for such a long time, like in Lost. And this, I love when two guys like are like buddy buddy have each other's back. Maybe they have some struggles, but they always come together. And I, I just I've always liked that. Yeah. Uh, I guess because in my life I have a lot of those relationships, you, you know. But like with me and my dad, like me and you, me and my cousin Troy and Kevin, and you know, fr- like we just that brotherhood that. Ah, it's just really, uh, I, I root for that. And they have so, and they're so different, but yet when they work together, when they come together, it just, it, it's magic. It is. And it's very, but the thing is, they, for them, 
it's pretty intense too, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> this this situation um, that they get into, and I love the way you notice that point where he gets so mad at the guy during the car accident, where Tench goes out and yells at him, and he's like, this is against the law. The guy's like, this is not the yeah. law. And he's like, I'm the law. <laughs> he's like yelling at him, you know? And then he's and like, I'm going to call the cops, and he backs yeah. off, and he, he's in a haze, and he's almost yeah. like... You know. Exactly. He's like, I am the cop. And then he's like, oh, wait, I'm the cop. I should be the one. Like I'm saying, you know, Tench does lose his temper. And he kind of loses his temper here. And Holden's in the car kind of shell-shocked. It's just such a great metaphor for them both dealing with, like, almost as if this accident is kind of the serial killer in their life, you know? It's like this thing that sneaks upon them from... Was it planned? What happened? You know, they kind of get mad and angry at it, but they just have to deal with it. And the way they deal with it is you're right. They go and they get some steaks and they get some drinks and it brings them closer. And um, they they kind of reach a point here where he feels he can kind of like confide in him, um, you know, and, and, it, and even when they're talking about it, sitting there. At the bar, like you mentioned, the vulnerability that Ten shows, they, they're they not afraid to kind of like take whatever experience or whatever they're doing and kind of analyze it emotionally, psychologically at the next level. Um, and Tench confiding in him that the kid can't talk, which then becomes a major plot point, right, in his mm-hmm. life. Um, and that they adopted the kid, uh, their child too, who I forget his name at this point. Is it Tommy? Oh, geez. You know, we're doing a podcast about Mindhunter. I, I, <laughs> I just call him silent little serial killer. I just, you know, like he's, he's kid. Dude, like poor kid. Um, no, I, you know, I, I can't remember it. Well, I think it's Tommy. I'm going to call him Tommy. But um, it's a really Tommy. Can you hear me? <laughs> it's a beautiful it's... scene, man. They're they're yeah. you know they are coming together, and they're they really have to count on each other. And this is kind of scary too. Like you could imagine having to deal with this stuff and take it home to your family, or you know, we see the way that Holden is kind of almost experimenting with it in his sex life. Um, it's really, you know, it really gets into them and how could it not? Well, and and that's another thing, another little side thing in the bar, Axel is, you know, Holden's on the phone asking for Debbie to, you know, pick him up. And she's like, well, you know, I got school and I, 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 you know, I got, I got things going on and, and, and she recommends, well, why don't you get a hotel room and I'll pick you up tomorrow. Um, and then Holden doesn't like that. And, and Bill, in the midst of this whole chaos, he's like, listen, you know, you're just upset because she's not dropping everything for you, dropping her life at a, you know, once you call, she's not, you know, and it's like, it was interesting that um, amongst, you know, the, uh, the things Bill is going through at this point, opening it up his heart, he still has time to see what's going on with Holden as well. Uh, And it was just, I found that very interesting. Yeah, definitely. These guys are amazing, man. The actors too, they really inhabit these characters. I don't I, I it's 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 so whole and complete. I was just ta- I was talking with my wife too about 
how Brian is his name. Sorry, Brian. Brian. Okay, sorry, Brian. Not Tommy. Tommy. Brian. Brian, can you hear me? (laughs) I was trying to make a connection. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was like Brian. Okay, Brian. Brian. Um, But uh, what was I saying? Holding. Holding in. Oh, oh, I was saying. I was talking to my wife about Tench, and uh, he is such a. He's a physically. Physically, he comes off as being even bigger than he is, even though his chest is huge. Like he just has like a a barrel chest. He's like you, Solo. Like you have like a huge upper body. You know what I mean? Like you notice it. He's a. But it makes him look bigger than he actually is. You know what I mean? Like when you look mm-hmm. at him, he's actually pretty fit, you know, and he's not, he probably, he does he probably doesn't, I, I mean, I don't know how much he weighs, but he's not like overweight or really large. It's just that his bones are so big and it's almost as if like it's, oh, it creates the impression that there's a weight on his shoulders, both like metaphorically and physically that it's almost like his own shoulders are kind of weighing him down as he walks sometimes. And he just does a great job of physically acting that and bending over into himself. That Mm -hmm. is just, I guess has to be just years of physical work in acting. And it's just amazing. You can see it. It just comes across on the screen and it's just it it pulls you in when he bends over. It's like he's pulling you in with him, you know. Yeah, and you really see that when Holden's picking him up. Uh, I think it's when they're going to Altoona um, later in the episode after after the the or maybe on their second way back to Virgi- uh, Richmond. But when he, you know, when Brian won't give him a hug, he's out there smoking a cigarette has his suitcase that his son won't give him a hug. You see his wife and he walks over the car. He just looks like a man that has been through the ringer, yeah. you know, yeah. he just, and you really see that he's smoking. He doesn't look healthy. He looks pro- probably hung over, stressed out at home. Still the accident is affecting him. And now I got to go to work. It's just, man. But um, yeah, you're right. It's such a great point. The His physicality of, of just the way his mannerisms and body language is uh, really convey it without saying any words. Yep. And that's one of the great things actors can do is, oh, I don't have to say these five lines of how I'm feeling. I'll show you through just by walking, you yeah. know? So. And that's what the, and you know that that's the real work as an actor, you know? Oh, yeah. The, the, like everyone, I think in the public eye, and you probably hear this a lot, people just comment upon your line delivery. Like everything is about the intonation of your voice or, or your accent or anything where your physicality and the whole, it's, it's, it's all part of the same thing. You know, that's why you do all like the physical stuff in acting class and roll around and be, and be a flower. Right. And like all that kind of stuff. Right. Like everyone uh, act like a sure animal. Come on, you've done I mean, that how, kind of stuff before. How'd you know I was a tulip in seventh grade? <laughs> no, but you, no, you're right. And you know, and yeah. I, I try to do that in my own acting. Uh, like I did a film called Scorpion, where I played a mobster, and I just kind of hunched a little bit when yeah. I walked. It was kind of you know little things like that. 
Um, just even if it's a quick scene or if it, if it's a full, you know, a bunch of scenes, just something little, little bit different that you feel, yeah, it just, it does help because it also helps you get into the character too. Cause it's one thing to learn your lines. Okay. And then there's another thing to understand what the hell you're saying. And then there's another thing to put that into a character with their physicality. So yeah. it's like this process and it helps like when like even when like you hunch down or something then you're like oh man i'm that guy again you know it's kind of like dr jekyll and mr hyde yeah school of you acting get, you get really into it like would that guy do that right now oh why not in this scene but here and it could become yes, so complex and and right. i think that these guys are at that level and yeah this is a this is a great episode for tench there's a great scene here too after they conduct the interview with monty and they have the car accident there. They have to stay that extra night. But then they get back to Quantico and they meet with Wendy. And this is a really important little scene here because it's they kind of just go through the nomenclature of what they're did what why are they the the reason they're listening to these guys and interviewing them to try to find out how they think. If they can find out how they think, perhaps they can not only find them, but they can stop them and they can see them early on. They've gone even this far. But this is another one of their little meetings where they just kind of sit around a table and talk out the interview with Wendy. And really maybe the first time that they've had the opportunity to do this here now that she's fully part of the team. And she can kind of go back and they see what did Kemper say? Oh, if a person says this, what does it mean? How do we classify it? And these this type of um, questions and the idea of coming up with a series of questions that are standardized because she comes from academia uh, is introduced in this quick little scene here. And that's right before um, another great scene where Tench is standing in front of his house, smoking a cigarette, waiting for Holden to That's pick him up. <laughs> yeah, that you were Yeah, the one I was talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like he doesn't want him to come in the house. But this nomenclature scene, I love. And I love the way that they're giving us this great stuff with the characters, the emotions, the serial killers too. But they're also letting us in the room where they literally just talk about what the hell are we doing? You know, and they, mm -hmm. it's not like, you know, it's not like we would watch like a CSI or, you know, any other type of shows where they're looking for the unsub, where they just kind of like go, this guy did this. This is where they're literally questioning how they're doing their methodology and looking at it in such a meta way. And I just love those scenes. And now that Wendy is here and Wendy's available to be this academic person who is also a help for um, Holden because all the sexual stuff that makes Tench and every, all these other suits so nervous, she just doesn't care because this is a study for her. And that is yeah, how Holden she, has seen it too. Yeah. Cause she makes a point like when they're talking about, uh, you know, uh, a male having sex with a woman and if the woman's not enjoying it, you know, what, what's going through your mind and they're both like uh, and she's like come on be scientists you know yeah and then he, they start getting into it and it's just mm -hmm. it, it's great because you have holden his like eagerness 
little naive at times, but smart as hell. And he just, he's almost like the energizer bunny. Bill, he's trying to be the voice of reason. Uh, you know, he's more old school and he, he, he's saying things. And then, uh, Wendy is kind of the go between like, no, you're, you're, we're both right. We're not arguing. We're both saying the same thing or both ways work. And she's really trying, like when we talk about the organized and disorganized before that, she uses some term and he's like, okay, can we have a term where beat cops would understand, you know, and it just works. And then the whole thing with, uh, stressors, not triggers, not using the word trigger, uh, stressors, you know, it, cause these victims, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the, um, unsubs behavior uh basically they made a great point that really got me it's it's okay they they're in free society but their way of thinking's different so when you know the way they process stuff isn't normal and it's like why they do things and it goes back and forth and you really not only like we talked about this is like the birth of profiling that's why the show is i mean not one of the many reasons why it's so awesome but I mean, they really go into it, like you said, where we just take it for granted nowadays watching Criminal Minds or another show like that. We get it. But do we get it? And we're really getting it. They're really – it's almost like taking a class, Axel. It's like we're literally in the room with them being taught how this evolves. And they go into such great detail. And to have great characters, have this detail, have an amazing plot, threads going around, I mean – I, I I hate to just be like this. I'm kissing the show's ass, but it's freaking amazing. It is. <laughs> so I, so we're gonna, you know, and it's not, you know what, Axel, and it's not like a fanboy pod, maybe where we we could get all excited about a superhero or a Game of Thrones character or something. But this is just this is a show where they're doing things so so amazing and attention to detail and everything that it's getting me excited as, you know, like yourself as a filmmaker, as an actor, like this type of stuff, this is like a once in a lifetime role you get, you know? And so it's just, that's why I can rewatch these episodes a hundred times. I, I'm so, yeah. look at me. I'm so excited about serial killers and profiling. What the heck's <laughs> wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, man. It's amazing, dude. And there's such symmetry. Um, after they have this conversation with Wendy, they go back um, and they interview Monty again. And it and like us, this is why Tench is being picked up at his house. And Tench gets kind of pissed okay. off. The original conversation when they got into the car accident, Tench was pushing Holden uh, again on your, t- you know, your. You are empathizing too much with these killers. These are killers. You know, how much do we need? Because there's always that pull, push and pull with tenches. He, he knows they need to understand them. But he sometimes thinks if we understand them too much, we're caring about them. Right? Mm-hmm. We're helping them. We're their therapist. I don't want to be their therapist. And that's the kind of fight he's having with Holden when they get in the accident. They get in the accident, they come together, they share. Tench is not, Tench is vulnerable to him, to Holden. Holden listens, but, and then Holden is hurt when he, they won't get picked up, and they kind of commiserate on that point as well, right? Then they mm-hmm. meet with Wendy when, when, when they have this second interview with Monty and, and Tench is pissed off kind of again in the car. They sw- he switches it around on him and Holden says to him, 
we're not their therapist. We're using them, Bill. We're I'm I'm tricking them. I don't care about them, man. I'm on your side. I'm tricking them to get the information. And I think that that is, it's interesting that Tench, you'd think that Tench would have realized that, but it, what it showed to me solo is like, he's a good guy. He wants to try to live his life truthfully. Right. But Mm -hmm. He's, he think he, he like can't grasp his, he can grasp his mind around hiding his entire job from his wife and kid, right? You know, and not being around, (laughs) but he can't wrap his mind around lying to a serial killer to get information from them because kind of the way he feels is like, if you give attention to something, you're validating it. You know, and that's a, that's a hard concept to kind of get, that's kind of like his old school concept. Like, well, you're giving attention to it. So you're, we're giving them attention. We're helping him. And he has to kind of be explained to that. He he doesn't really, I don't know if he fully, fully gets it yet, you know, because he's still kind of saying, oh, he's the victim, you know, because everybody, because, because he's talking about how his his hard childhood and his mother, right? Just like Mm -hmm. Kemper did. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because before, right before the crash, um, he, he, Bill actually asked, okay, what can I do differently or what? Cause they were kind of, he's like, I'm not reprimanding you, you know, and Bill's like, you're right. You're you're not like, kind of (laughs) like, and, (laughs) and I was waiting for that conversation. Like, cause it looked like he wanted to learn, okay, what can I do better? And then the crash happens and it kind of, um, but a few things, Axel, I have about the Monty Rissell uh, interviews. Um, the, one of the first thing he says, what find a cure. He talks about finding a cure. (laughs) Of, of his sickness. Like he mm. thinks these scientists are going to find, you know, are you going to find a cure? Like, and, and that was interesting because, you know, is it a disease? Well, you know, no, but it's, you know, it's just interesting how, you know, maybe Monty feels like, okay, is something wired wrong with me. Can you cure? Yeah. It? Yeah. Where, you know? you, yeah, it, it is, it is, you're right. Because with Kemper, it, it was like, he he almost felt he and we saw this i guess in the kind of like we talk about it all the time like now that we know all about serial killers that they're like uh, Hannibal Lecter like he feels like he's an elevated human right like he's mm-hmm. above other people kemper almost feels like that his ability to kill let him control life and other people and be above them. Whereas Monty feels like he has a sickness inside of him that he can't satiate. Right. Right. And, and he's looking for them. That's, I think a little bit of what sets Tench off, but it also shows that he's the one who's being sensitive to him. Right. Like Holden is actually being less kind to Kemper and to this guy because he is fetishizing them in the line of work, like in the name of work, I should say. And what, um, what Tench is doing is taking them as human beings. He He's mm. really empathizing yeah. with them on almost like an equal level. 
So it's kind of like, uh, it's, it's almost hypocritical in a, it's, you know, it just shows the way sometimes humans, uh, human emotion acts is, is counter to what we believe, like exactly the opposite. And in Tench's case, and then, and we're seeing also in Holden's case, which is he thinks he's not, you know, he's playing a, a game here and we'll see how that works out for him. But for Tench, it's something completely different because he's really actually coming into it, I believe, in a more, even though he's old school, the type of person he is, he can't help but to be real with these guys. Right. And that's something kind yeah. of to admire. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And, you know, you, you, I mean, what a difference from the first interview he sat in with Kemper till now. Yeah. He's, he, you know, he's gotten a lot better, but he's still, yeah, those strings are being pulled. Um, also, um, I, I found it really interesting because I always, I, I, I'm not gonna say I always thought about this, but the um, with Monty Rissell, the um, the whole thing with getting a Dear John letter of his girl at State College breaking up uh, with him, um, and uh, through a letter, and then he goes and sees she's making out with some guy, and he just watches. He gets you know weed and alcohol and drives around, and then you know an, uh, an opportunity where he sees a woman at like 4 a.m. in her car. And, uh, you know, pulls out a gun, takes her into the woods. But then she, like, goes along with it. Like, yeah, give it to me, babe. And it was like the victim, instead of being like, don't kill me, don't kill me, yes. she went that route. Yeah. And, but it didn't work. It, he was just because yeah. these killers love control. And it just, so, and he talks about even another victim he stabbed. Oh, she just wouldn't shut up. And she was emotional. And it was all this drama, drama. And, 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 and so you're figuring out like, oh my God, this guy, you know, he just, but it's interesting that he didn't just go and kill his, I get his ex-girlfriend. He could have easily killed them both, but I think, oh, you know, cause it probably wasn't premeditated that he was going to do that. I don't think, uh, but he just, and then he, you know, he also talks about perfecting it about the third time I knew exactly, you know, and that's another, yeah. uh, another, uh, you know, thing we hear in like criminal minds, oh, this wasn't his first kill. Okay. He's, he's perfected. That one was sloppy. And we know about like the first one's usually not perfect. And then they build up with confidence. So we're getting that. And it's just, and he's so different from Kemper, like, as you mentioned. So it was just, I found this interview very interesting just because he's, you know, and plus he's ready to keep giving information. And he's like, no, nope, my throat's dry. He wants that big red cola. <laughs> so he like, he, he throws in some control there, like, all right, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm done with this interview, you know. So he, it, it, it just he can't help but Ed, be what he is. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. you, you yes, and, and and but it was just like this. This interview really stuck with me because he's going through his victims and stuff, and it's like, man, how many times have people, I mean, been dumped? You know, you know, even before email and text, I don't know how it is now, but like back in the day where maybe it was on the phone, on the phone was a big thing. I mean, or a letter. Those are the two ways instead of doing it, you know, and basically she's like, oh, I want to bone other guys. At least that's what he processed. And, that, and, and believe me, when you, when you break up when you're young and say you're both at college or one's at home, one's at college, you're like, oh, she just wants to go with other guys and, and it starts making you crazy. But that, you know, it's just, it's amazing how. 
not more people go nuts. I mean, I it's, don't know. It, it's I, just, I know, it, I know what you're saying. Cause it takes that normal everyday thing. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what's so scary. It's like the Stephen King, uh, methodology. You take something normal and then you add that twist, you know, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. right. Like he's telling like a classic kind of story and then it becomes something so terrible and it made me think of when you're talking about Kemper, one of the important things that Kemper said is, you'll, you know, when he was like, you'll find we have a very active imaginary life, <laughs> right? Like he, I he feel like I'm up, talking to Ed Kemper <laughs> right like, now. Very active, imaginary, uh, he, or he said, um, like a imaginary world or something. And that keys into why like he didn't and why Holden keyed into him like, Oh, you didn't kill the prostitute when she wanted it because it didn't fit this, this fantasy life that you had created the way things would play out, you know? And that aspect of controlling the world is so interesting. And I think too, I, I, and I'll make the jump here to the cinematography, which continues to be amazing where oh, they continue yeah. to show the routine things that they do driving the car wait, you know, they work in the routine into the show to show you that. And in a sense, the director, the showrunners, the creators like, that's why a lot of times a lot of people have said, you know, if I wasn't in, I wasn't a filmmaker, I'd be a criminal, you know, <laughs> because it's like <laughs> well, remaking the world. That control aspect is is heavy, dude. Trust me, you know that when you're working mm-hmm. in film and TV and anything where you're shooting, um, you're dealing with a lot of control freaks. Yeah, and I, that's one thing I I've I've learned as an actor. And, you know, you, you, I've been on enough sets to know when uh, actors are going and like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Why don't we do it this way? And I, I'm just because I have a background also on the other side of the camera from college that my, my thing as an actor, I said, I got to trust the director and it's his vision. Now, if he's happy, then I'm damn happy because that means not only I'm probably not going to get cut out, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just like. It's just easier to get direction, put it together. I mean, suggestions are one thing, um, but like to demand, no, what this character, you know, and it's different when you're on a, say, a series and your character's going over many, many episodes. It's, you know, it gets a little more intense. Where does my character want to go? You know, I'm coming more to the perspective of, you know, a day or five days here, like, um, or one episode stuff. And I just, that's how I just, I just, because if I'm worrying about all these other factors, Axel, it just it's too much. Yeah. I just want to be the character, have the director lead me, and if, if if he's getting what he wants, that makes me damn happy. And it just showed, uh, you know, I, did, I recently did uh, a corn music video to a uh, trailer yeah. to promote their podcast, baby. And I love it. DJ Timmy Hines goes Holden Ford, baby, because you know I play a a, a real life uh, guy who's about to interview a uh, a head of a cult. And it just, I knew what he, you know, I felt, I worked with the director before, so, um, 
it, it definitely helps. But I knew exactly where he was going, and I just let it. And I, honestly, all my re- and a lot of it was reacting, but all my reaction pretty much was on my own, and he didn't have to direct me. <laughs> like he got, he goes, you know, and I, he got what he wanted just by. You know, when you're coming around a corner, when two dudes with guns are bringing you somewhere and you see a, a woman who's head shaved, it, it's pretty easy to react like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, what the hell is going on here? Whatever like, I got myself into. Yeah, exactly. Where, I mean, if I was John Rambo, I'd be sizing it up differently and wouldn't show my emotion. You know, so it's the difference of, you know, difference of way you're reacting. Um and, and because it, naturally I have an intense, scary face sometimes or like I'm mad or something. So I had to like bring it down a little bit that I was a little vulnerable and a little more scared because it's so easy to look like a mobster for me, you know, just by waking up. So, you know, it's just like stuff like that. And, and that's why with Bill, I, I, I'm just – because he's kind of the same type where he just looks like, you know, he's a man. He just looks tough. And, and for him to have vulnerability and show it. It's just it's remarkable, and it adds yeah. so much more when you have a cover that you think is one thing, but then you're seeing the inside emotions of what he's written, and, and the actor shows it. It just it's beautiful. Take a little break to remind you of our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. You know, sometimes I just go over to Cufflinks.com, I look at their awesome products, and I say to myself, how lucky I am to have this amazing sponsor. They've got the coolest stuff over there. Man, I just, you know what they sent me, and I'm going to be giving these away, some popcorn cufflinks. Listen to all our podcasts at DVRpodcast.com to find out how, but they've got awesome stuff over there. So go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR and use code DVR20. They've got socks, ties, cufflinks, money clips, tie clips, so much cool stuff, uh, even like pocket squares, just any way to kind of make you look good. Those little touches always help. Don't forget the little details, baby, because cufflinks.com's got them for you. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum. Oh, before we get into the last case, Axel, anything you want to uh, BTK open? Oh, we, we yes. Touch upon that. So yes. he's in a house. He's checking the windows. He's going around. He sees children's toys, and then you're like, "What the heck is he?" Okay, and then you see, you know, this woman in the kitchen, and and you realize. Of course, he works for a security company, and they're going back and forth. And she's like, "Hey, my my husband, could you just sell, you know sell us the sign and stickers, you know?" And it's like, "Oh man, the, I mean, he's a security professional, put installing stuff, and he's casing a house while he's doing it, and she has no idea. I mean, why would she? Yeah, I, I mean, know. it's like you know, your it's, worst it's, fear, it's, right? Like uh, everybody's yes. always like, it's the plumber that robbed me. It's the you know what I mean, like." which of course it's not, but that's a person who has entry into your home. And these little cold opens that they're doing with BTK are awesome, man, because they're tied into just kind of like they're right. Holden and Tench are right. Like this is happening, you know? So it adds a kind of urgency to everything they're doing that you start each episode with an exact case of what they're talking about, a person who is hunting and learning 
And yes. it's just amazing, man. You're absolutely right. And again, I've also forgot to mention from the beginning how Holden is deep into using the tape recorder now. And we see that in the beginning of the um, credits from the very first episode, but it's not until, what is it, the second episode that he actually breaks one out. And now it's standard that he is. Oh, yeah, he's putting it over his shoulder. Yeah. yeah. You see the bulky (laughs) recorder. Um, And then, you know, he starts recording as soon as Monty walks in the room, which usually he starts a a little later or whatever, but he, boom, he's right away. And that's an interesting thing too, right? Because as we go along, we're going to see things that are taped and not taped is important, is going to become important and how it was important when he didn't want to keep on looking down at his notes or when Kemper was like, what are you writing down? You know, um, yeah. but with the tape recorder, there is also the the um there's there's uh questions or or roads that can be followed with the use of a tape recorder it's not it doesn't solve all the problems um that you think it does right like you can see right. it when you hit record you know it's there there's a microphone you know it's it's like the old you know schrodinger's cat thing of you know you the observer affecting the experiment and um, right. that that yeah. tape recorder is the observer. Yeah, and speaking of observing, we move to Altoona, Pennsylvania, where a branch campus of Penn State is. It has nothing to do with this. I just I almost went there, <laughs> and decided to go to Syracuse. So every time I see Altoona, I go that it could have been two years of my life. Um, so we um, they're doing another road school, and then this is probably my favorite detective. Uh, Detective Okasik, he looks like he should be in a Ron Howard movie, uh, approaches uh, Holden and uh, Bill uh, after they give a class. And they're even like, you see him looking at us? You see, And they they even make a bet that, you know, takes the action. Uh, Holden's like, less than 30 seconds, he's going to come over and approach us. And he does. It's becoming standard now. Yeah, and, and, and and they can see it. They can feel it. They could feel it. He's having a cigarette over there, chilling, and... Okay, so um, this is the uh, Beverly Jean Shaw murder. Uh, she was dumped. She was killed. She had hair removed. She was in a dump, uh, actually a dump for like four days. And, um, they, you know, their initial reaction, or initial reaction, that's us, Axel, initial reaction. <laughs> well, their initial um, profile, like quick, they think it could be something like a transient. Or it could be someone, you know, just popped into town. And, of course, Okasik's a religious guy. And it's like, there's no way someone in my town did this. And um, and so they, they go to interview uh, a suspect. And it's just like, man, maybe it's not fitting. You know, we got to talk to the fiancé because nine times out of ten, uh, it's always, you know, someone the victim knows. And, of course, Holden's like, well, that's nine, not ten. It always could be the one. And then they get upset because Okasik let him go out of town to go upstate to go visit uh, family. He's like, you let the fiancé leave? And so, um, you know, and, and they interview the wife of, of the guy they interviewed, uh, the suspect. And that's when they kind of, like... I don't know. And, and, and you know this case is going to be more than just open, shut. It, it, it feels like something's going on here, which I love. Um, but the one thing I really picked up on, uh, Axel, again, was 
you know, this this episode is about Bill Tench in many ways and how he he holds off Holden while they're talking like at, in the booth, and he um, basically, I guess I'm not gonna say is super nice, but he's very. Bill has a way to like say, "Hey, listen, we're not trying to step on your case. We're just yeah. trying to get up to speed." We're just trying to, you know, it's not that you missed anything. We just need to be, you know, and we may interview people we've interviewed before, but that's just our process. And he's very, like, hand-holding with it. But I, that's yep. the right approach with a small-town cop because, you know, a lot of times, hey, oh, FBI's in. I guess I'm not going to work this case. So you guys are the big guns. Oh, and instead of creating tension, Bill Tench, he's, he's forming a relationship, you know, a yes. liaison. So. Definitely. So and that was done very well. And, and plus, he, he explains to Holden that I'm sorry, Axel. One last thought, and then you. Um, he explains to Holden that listen, it's not like us profiling a killer, you know, in California. This is happening in their hometown. So this is where they live. This is different than just you know, oh, mass murder in Montana. Let's go investigate from Washington. I mean, this is where these people live. And they know these people well. They go to church with them. They, you know, so um, th- th- this is going to be fun. I mean, he, well, he, there was a murder. It's, it is. This is great, and it's really important. And it's almost. And this is a real. This is an interesting case. Um, the the detective that they meet, the cop that they meet. You're right. Is just great casting. This show is amazing. Um, such a such a sad face when he's explaining everything that happened. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, Tench is learning again from the conversation, the kind of mirrored conversations before, before, before the accident, after the accident in the car, that in the same way that Holden has a, has a kind of mistrust almost of these local cops, Tench empathizes with them or maybe overly empathizes with them too much. Right. right. And mm-hmm. Holden empathizes with serial killers too much, but <laughs> the way their job is, they should use that to their advantage and they should profile their own relationship. Right. And in that way, Holden notices it and he, he's, he's laying back a little bit more. He still, he can get frustrated, but he does, he lets Tench take the lead. You know, and they're learning about each other and they're learning how to be partners because this is very complex. In the beginning, they thought they were just going to go around talking to some cops, traveling a little bit and then going home, you know, and this just became something so much bigger and it puts a strain on their relationship. And this episode goes far in showing how they're kind of quietly Sometimes they're talking it out and sometimes they're just, they're noticing each other and their proclivities as they work. Um, and as they go through interviewing, um, uh, everyone through this case first, uh, the first guy they interview is her, who is it? Her ex boyfriend or is it her ex husband? Who's the first guy that they interview at the dump? I, you know what? Shoot. <laughs> um, when there was a guy that was, um, he was at a bar at the bar and he, he kind of was like flirting with her and the wife knew about it. And so that was, that was the suspect I remember. 
um, you know, the older guy who has a criminal oh, record. Oh, it's the guy and, who found the body. Yes, yes, the guy who found the yes, body. Yes, I'm Thank sorry. You. Yeah. You're the the oh, okay. the the um the ex-boyfriend or fiance, I should say. The fiance is because the she's other dead. One, yeah. Is uh is the one who he let get away, but when they're interviewing yeah. this guy, you can see too that Holden is always kind of like he always is like a little bit a step away, you know? And then he kind of mm-hmm. lets them kind of get into it and and uh Tench is like standing there really kind of leading it while Holden is taking the notes. But Holden yeah. gets a little bit frustrated, but then they start working together. You know, you see that when they're in front of someone, they really do work well together and they're learning to do it and they're not showing, they're letting their differences um, be off-putting to the person they're interviewing because then they'll team up all of a sudden. Yes. You know, and yep. it surprises you. Like it surprised me in this interview. This is when you see it. Mm-hmm. You think whole you think, oh wait, he's gonna be a little mad, he's gonna be get aggravated. It's whole but no, they just kind of really get into it. The information oh, you were at the bar? Oh, it was one account. How many times? And they're really getting that good information and working well as a team. Yeah, and and and, and that's not easy. I mean, these guys yeah. haven't been together very long. Yep. And uh, like when they, um, the, uh, the last one they caught the guy, you know, with it, that lives with his abusive mother, mentally abusive mother and all, and they go, boom, boom, they're going back and forth and they're coming up. Yeah. It's almost like they're discovering and they're rolling with it and they're finding their roles together. Like you said, where, okay, Bill, you take, yeah, you take the lead. I'm going to observe We you think, oh, okay, we got to do it this way, but they're not fighting in front of, they're doing it out loud, but they're in an organized kind of a creative manner where it, it you, like you said, it, it, it's off putting to the person they're interviewing. Like, yeah. wait a minute, what are these guys doing? <laughs> and, it, and again, Tench, while they're driving back from that interview, Tench gets into this whole scenario of, you know, he's married and he thinks she's cute and, you know, he, he's got a mortgage and he's like describing <laughs> himself. <laughs> and yep. you can see Holden's face is kind of like, Bill, what are you? You know, like, I know who you're talking about, but it shows yet again that it's inescapable to, uh, if, if what you are studying is human behavior, it's inescapable for you to use your own experiences as a human in that endeavor. Um, and Tench does it too. And I think that's this episode shows a lot. That's kind of what it showed to me. Like you're talking about, it really shows a different side of him. And to me, it shows how he just is really, though we're four episodes in and Holden has been set up as this kind of like, almost like hidden progressive, you know, his girlfriend's more progressive. He goes to, he beats her at this crazy concert. He's interested in all these different words and stuff. Tench is the establishment, but really Tench has a very truthful and solid moral center where he treats Mm -hmm. each human he meets as a human being. And that is what makes him valuable to this um and it's almost as if you know Holden is really the one who's more detached in a sense right. 
Tench is the one who's kind of, you see how this is, he's taken this hard. Um, and he, and every time he sits with a cop or a criminal, he, he feels an empathy that is really deep and truthful. Yeah. Which brings us to, um, the fi- the real final thing where they actually, uh, end up getting funding. <laughs> yeah. A lot of funding. And honestly, Axel, the shot in the elevator might be one of my favorite shots of the series where you see all three characters in the elevator positioned differently. You know, Wendy's got this big smile at the end. Holden's like in disbelief, like, oh, my God. And then Tench is in the back, kind of turned. And it's just, oh, man. Uh, just, <laughs> I, lo- I love it. I love it. I love it. I just love that shot. Yeah, man. they think they're just going three, in. Uh, yeah, they get back. Um, they they complete the interview with uh, the wife. We get a quick scene with um, Holden and Wendy, and and this is you know, they're they're they of course can't help but get into some really super deep conversation about fathers and mothers and, but they're kind of profiling people and they also run into Wendy which is really interesting to see these two women in Holden's life together. And for a second, oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. you know, cause you think to yourself like, man, does Holden kind of have the hots for Wendy or we know that Wendy is not going to have yeah. the hots for Holden, but yeah. he, he, he really respects her a lot too, but he, she's obviously gorgeous. Um, so that's a really quick, interesting conversation where he is also very quickly out, uh, intelligence by them. They start talking about Durkheim. <laughs> yeah, <and> right. <laughs> so they, they finish the interview. They go back to Quantico. Um, and as you mentioned before, they find out that they have this big funding, but initially they think that they're in trouble because remember when we first started Tench and Holden, were going to interview the serial killers, maybe work on some cases if they could be brought in, but this was just mm-hmm. with Shepard. It's a secret. They don't want anybody to know. Then people find out. They get their office. Then they bring in Wendy. <laughs> but it's a secret <laughs> even from Shepard, right? They don't want Shepard to know. He hasn't even met Wendy. Then they say, hey, we want you. Shepard wants everyone, including Wendy. Uh-oh, he knows Wendy's there. So basically, right. the word is out. And they think they're in trouble, but it turns out that Shepard has had their back the entire time. He's gone out for funding. He's gone out for some grants, and they've got like $750,000. They're all apologizing, and he keeps on adding the amount of money. He's like, your research has like, been yeah, awarded to 400000 And then she's like, I'm so sorry, sir. And he's like, you've been awarded two hundred. We apologize. And another 500000 because they found out about it. So it's like every time their secret got out, it's so interesting because that's one of the things that surprised me about this show is, um, and why this episode is such a great one and a surprising one is because it, they play off in the beginning that the FBI is going to be so against this line of work, but in the end they're not because it starts working immediately for them, right? And it shows that even though this huge organization that they're talking about, you know, um, the specter, 
of the past and and you know how the the uh the FBI is changing and all that and Hoover and all that kind of stuff they're still kind of going with what works and that I found to be kind of surprising because mm-hmm. the show does initially set up like this suit versus hippie kind of dynamic um but in the end the suits wise up and they end up getting all this funding yeah that's and again, like I said, I mean, I I, th- I think of you with that elevator shot, just because I know that's something <laughs> that you would frame, getting three reactions, but they're spaced out and it's shot, and you know, I always think of you when I see cool shots like that. Oh, just, thanks, buddy. Yeah, and it, it's it, like it, an album it, cover, right? Just love it. The three of them reacting, and Axel, you know me and music. So the the song plan is not one of your, you know top 40 like oh that's uh you know i don't know you surf and safari by the beach boys no it's <laughs> it's a band called Klaatu, and, and the song is calling occupants of interplanetary craft rolls off the tongue yeah um, what a so, great but it's song a, it's cool. it is it just and fits. It, it's yeah it does dude and that totally looks like an album cover when they're standing in that elevator, this show has awesome endings like this. Uh, You know, Netflix really does good with having shows that do a nice hard cut to a song to end the episode. And this one ends on a high and this song kind of makes you feel that way too. Like, Oh, they're entering a new realm, you know, interstellar policemen. They're going, they're mine (laughs) hunters, baby. (laughs) Like, Mine hunters and... on the planet Ozone. Yeah, Welcome baby. to me planet. Klaatu Barikdu. Uh, yeah, this is great, man. They're, the team has come together. Uh, it's official now. They see the way this job is working and kind of Holden's vision. And it's really interesting. Again, I say the way that four episodes through his his vision has really been supported by the FBI and he keeps on winning you know they're right. they're they're interviewing people they're solving cases they're still working on this case we'll see the way it works out uh in our next episode episode 5 of Mine Hunter uh but this episode was a great one and I really enjoyed it brother me too. Uh, it was it was a delight to get back on the Mine Hunter train with you. Uh, it's like you and I are in the car, going going around, driving together, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and and teaching the ways of. Uh, well, we we have no idea, but uh, it was enjoyable, <laughs> Axel. Uh, I love it. Thanks for listening, and we appreciate the iTunes reviews. Uh, helps our podcast get more visualized across the globe, yeah. and. I'll just say this, Axel. You think I could get some big red? <laughs> <laughs>